1: Hey, hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. If you're looking for a drink that doesn't contain booze, but still makes you feel like a grown-up, may I suggest Remedy Kombucha? It's completely free from sugar and artificial sweeteners. And there's loads of good stuff in there, from live cultures to antioxidants. Plus, there's a range of delicious flavours to choose from. I really like the ginger lemon at the moment, actually, but, you know, whatever floats your boat. You can get Remedy Kombucha from Morrison's, Tesco, Amazon, Arcado, Holland and Barrett, Starbucks, M&S and RemedyDrinks.com. Cheers! Hello, my name is Ellie Gibson and I'm not an alcoholic, Uh, I don't think anyway, but I probably do, if I'm honest, drink more than I should. So I'm trying to sort my shit out and find a bit of balance when it comes to managing the booze. Here to help me with kind words and no judgy side-eye is Stephanie Chivers, coach, trainer and all-round supporter of anything to do with making alcohol insignificant. Hello, Stephanie. Hello, Ellie. Hello. Thanks for being here. It's a pleasure. We'll be the judge of that at the end of the episode, shall we? (laughs) Now, for this series, most of the episodes are going to have excellent guests on, from Mm -hmm. academics and experts to fellow pissheads. But today, it's just you and me, Stephanie. In the spotlight, Ellie. I'm clenching already. My bum hole's just gone from 50p to 5p. Uh, We're (laughs) going to discuss our own stories of alcohol use, and we're going to talk about your work, Stephanie, uh, Mm -hmm. with people who want to cut down on the booze or cut it out altogether. Uh, Best of all, I get to talk about myself, which is obviously great, because that's my favourite thing, Um, but also... Oh, I'm gonna have to get real, aren't I? I'm gonna have to get real and be vulnerable. I would like that very much. Oh, I'm going. Oh, it's, it's the size of a pea now. Um, so yes, well, that would be fun, probably for Stephanie if nobody mm-hmm. else. Um, but I tell you what, oh, oh, I'm having anxiety. So let's take the pressure off me momentarily, Stephanie. Let's start with you Stephanie Chivers. please okay. would you describe the work you do and why you started doing it in the first place
0: ooh okay so I am a coach trainer supporter mentor for anybody who wants to change their relationship with alcohol that means reduce take a break stop you're very clear about you believe that alcohol is a drug
1: and we yes. should talk about it in that context in the yes. same reference we talk about coke and heroin or yes. you know Aid, I don't know what the kids are into these days drugs <laughs> basically drugs yes
0: drugs. and yeah it's a fact not a belief so mm. it's actually, it, alcohol is a drug. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. No, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. It is a drug. So at the moment, I run a little community interest company called Women Who Don't Drink, support women to change their relationship with alcohol. And I support other coaches as well in this space. Um, but prior to that, I've done pretty much every job there is to do within behaviour change and addiction services. So I've worked in psychiatric units, children secure units, run homeless shelters, been a team leader i've been a service manager of three different treatment services um and i've been doing that for about 16 years now you have dealt with a lot of piss heads stephanie is what you're saying yeah i don't i wouldn't call them piss heads no that's so. what i'm saying <laughs> yeah fair, but, but <laughs> i've worked with a lot of people i've sat in front of a lot of people yeah yeah which yeah. has been amazing i've got to say i love people i just i find them fascinating well, that's lucky. Yeah, it's it, lucky because yeah. a lot people, of people. Really hard <laughs> yeah. to
1: do that job. Yeah. I'm not sure I could do it. Um, but yes, now you've got your own story, haven't you, with alcohol? Yes. Would you call it misuse or how would you? I mean, you, why don't you tell your own story? How about that?
0: Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I describe it that um, alcohol and drugs were a problem for me. So I decided to change that. And I did have a big rock bottom. Mm. Not that you need to have a rock bottom, obviously. There are many reasons why alcohol or drugs might be a problem for you. You don't have to have rock bottom and everybody's rock bottom is different. Um, And like anybody else, it probably started teenage years for me. Some good stuff, some bad stuff, some really bad stuff, um, not really paying attention and culminated in 17 years ago, a night in custody for an alcohol related offence with my children at home. So not my finest hour. But what was amazing about that was that I was sat in custody and first of all I was incredibly angry and very difficult I was quite obnoxious so it took me quite a while to calm down and think about hang on a minute what the hell happened to my life like I'm 35 I've got two kids I own my own house I run a small charity there's been some good stuff there's been some bad stuff how the hell did I end up in custody and I realized sort of like I had one of those like flashes of seeing all my whole life before me (laughs) and I realized that I was the common denominator in everything that had happened. So I had this like epiphany, this penny drop moment where I was like, okay, so I got myself into that mess. I can get myself out of it. In fact, I am the problem. So by the time I came out of custody, I was right. Okay. If I'm taking a hundred percent responsibility for my life, I need to sort it out. And that started with not drinking and taking drugs, that was the start of it for me. Obviously, I'd left a trail of destruction behind me, and that took years and years to sort out, and that's what I set about doing.
1: Well, well done, you yeah. First of all. yes. Yeah. that's, that's yeah. good. Feels good. Um, I suppose I do have to talk about myself at some point, so yeah, you do. Uh, yes, why I, are you here? <laughs> well, why am I here? I wouldn't say I've had a rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say I've, ha- I, I've got a, a sort of squidgy bottom. If, mm-hmm. it, if you like um, and my squidgy bottom was basically um, I've always liked drinking like like is a story for many I'm 45 many women I know of my age I'm men as well I started drinking in my teens uh, yeah. I got really into it at university <laughs> and backpacking all of that and then at work my first job was oh let's go for a pint after work all that I grew up in the 90s and the 2000s so that's my background mm-hmm. and then uh, about 10 years ago I, I joined a comedy double act formed a comedy double act with Helen Thorne called The Scummy Mummies um, and a lot of our shtick certainly to begin with was about being boozy mums and wine o'clock and it's okay to have a bottle of Prosecco because you've had a shit day cleaning up actual shit all day and all of that. I will say in our defence we've moved away from that not completely but Mm -hmm. we look back on that now not with a great deal of pride and with a little bit of a sense of responsibility for how we might have contributed to the the alcohol, pro-alcohol culture in Britain Um, but obviously... Uh, you know, we were incredibly tired all of the time. That's sort of, <laughs> So we weren't thinking straight about anything. I bet in your what my name was most days. So that's my excuse. Anyway, cut to uh, a few years later, uh, the The lockdown, basically. The lockdown, like a lot of people, again, that I know, and um, me and my husband, Pete, who's agreed that he's happy for me to talk about this. Mm-hmm. We uh, got really into into the old drinking in the lockdown because there wasn't, it seemed to us, a whole else to do i was working really hard but i'd get up really early work really hard and then i'd make like a lunch and it was a lovely summery time and we were very privileged and very lucky we had a nice house and a garden and we could afford to buy wine and all of that so i'm aware that our situation was different um but yes and then we would drink uh, often all afternoon into the night now again not not ending up in prison right yeah, uh, yeah. not Drunk driving ever, yep. not going out and shagging random people, not falling over, not vomiting, not arguing, not blacking beating out, each other up, occasionally yeah. arguing, but we mate, we 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 argue uh, stone cold sober. So that yeah <laughs> not sure, <laughs> but no, not screaming at each other and yeah. you know yes. And then when the sort of lockdown started to ease and all of that, I found that quite a hard habit to break, and I found that I was drinking um, more, and I did start to worry about it, and mm-hmm. I did start to think. I don't want to end up in the nick and I don't want to end up with liver disease and okay. I don't want to end up getting divorced because we're pissed all day and all of yeah. that. Um, so I started looking around at um, resources because I like I like help. I like podcasts. I like an Instagram account. I like a Facebook group. I like you know to see stuff from other people going through the same thing. And I found that there's not that much out there there is some stuff, you know, mm-hmm. Adrian Charles has done some marvellous work, We all know that. But <laughs> it felt to me, especially in, in for women, it felt like there's this linear thing of like, either it's one o'clock and we're all ha- hammered and it's fine to just be pissed all the time, let's all have loads of gin, or, you know, no, I've been sober for 394 days and uh, here's my certificate and I'm doing better than you and if you're not doing as well as me then you're failing and i don't mean that all people who are sober are saying that at all but that was no. how my brain yeah. was yeah. interpreting that was my own about my own stuff yeah. right i was interpreting that mm-hmm. i mean do you think that's a fair assessment Of
0: yeah i i get a lot of calls messages from people who are feeling crap about themselves because either they're struggling to be absent and not in a bad way You know, they're not struggling to be abstinent and they're drinking seriously problematic. They're struggling to be abstinent, having a couple of glasses of wine, which really isn't a problem for them. But then the other one I get is I'm abstinent, but I'm bored um, and I'm not happy. What's wrong with me? And I think there's a lot of stuff out there about, yeah, drinking a lot. Like you say, the glorification of drinking a lot, mummy drinking and then there's a loud noise about being alcohol free or being sober and how amazing that is, and all the stuff that goes with it, but actually, as I know, <laughs> there's a lot of nuances in between that, yeah, yeah, one
1: of the resources I did find stephanie was was you you're you're a human resource, if I am. you like yes um because I heard you on a podcast with the excellent Laura Willoughby, who's yeah. the co-founder of Club soda, who we're having on the podcast, luckily, Brilliant. so we'll chat to her, and your stuff appealed to me because you. You're there for your. Your thing is called women who don't drink, but you also deal with women who do drink and quite like it. In fact, maybe that website is available. Definitely look into <laughs> it's it. It's a
0: new one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I even though it's called women who don't drink, I mean that's just it's just it sounds good. You know, saying mm. women who don't drink very much or drink sometimes isn't as catchy as women who don't drink. It's just a name, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but actually, a lot of the people I work with, it's around working with them to reduce have alcohol-free days to maybe take a break to maybe be alcohol-free and essentially it's about quality of life so it's whatever they want whatever goal they're working towards so yeah so we
1: started chatting and and, and we did the thing where we have like is it six sessions where Mm -hmm. we just chat on Mm -hmm. zoom Mm -hmm. um and I was really sort of pleased and surprised um from the first session really because to be honest I thought that I was going to tell you about my drinking and I was and I was very careful to be honest uh, mm-hmm. about how much I was drinking partly because I didn't want to waste any of our time but also yeah. because anyone who has ever heard a scummy mummies podcast will know I actually find it really hard to be dishonest I don't know how that works <laughs> <laughs> So um I thought I was going to say all that to you and you were going to go well, you're obviously an alcoholic and you need to uh, stop drinking and you're a terrible person. Thanks for Aww. not doing that, Stephanie. Oh,
0: God. I would never say that to anyone. It's not to their face. And I hope nobody ever has to hear that ever because, I mean, I'm, what I might say occasionally to some people, and it's a small number of people, is when, so the first thing I do is a free consultation. Um, because you have to figure out what's going on for them. Or are you the right person to work with them? Maybe they need something else. It's not always about me. Um, and you figure out how much they're drinking and you make recommendations. And there's a very small number of people where I would say, okay, you need to be abstinent and you need to think about being abstinent for a period of time. And when I mean a period of time, I'm talking a year and then we'll have a conversation. And that's actually the goal. Now, obviously they can go off and do whatever they want. But that will be my recommendation. Yeah. But it's only a small number of people I'm going to say that to. Most people, I'm going to listen and then I'm going to say, okay, what do you want to do? And then I'll I'll say what I think. My recommendations, well, actually that you are drinking quite a lot and the risks of this are dirty dirty duh, you know, and but ultimately we still need to work with the client's yeah. goal. And, and you were and to be
1: clear you were risk. very straight with me about the risks. Yeah. You didn't Always sit honest. there and go, "Oh, you're fine mate, you were right. <laughs> yeah, crack crack, oak, crack yeah. open another bottle." You were like, "Well, this breast cancer this yeah. and liver this liver. and mental yeah. health, and children and all." So you were completely straight with me yeah. about all that. Yeah. Um but yeah, I did find I found that a massive relief mm, to hear you yeah, go, "Look, you know, I think you said something like 90% of people, you know, not as a as a scientific stat but in your yeah. experience, can actually reduce and I was like oh because here's the here's the honest truth I really like drinking yeah. I really like it I like the taste Of alcohol, obviously not. I don't mean like neat alcohol. What I love is, I love the first drink where you sit down for a nice meal in a restaurant. I love it when you go and meet a friend that you haven't seen for a long time and you have a pint together. Um, you know, I love meeting a new friend and going for a beer. And I find that alcohol. I'm just going to say it, Stephanie. Give Mm -hmm. me the side eye. It's fine. It lowers the barriers a little bit. Yes. More quickly. Yeah. Right. You feel a little bit more intimate. You share a little bit more. Maybe you would have done those things anyway, but it just speeds up that process a little bit. Yeah. So I really can see the benefits of of alcohol. And I'm aware that I'm currently sounding like an
0: advert for Smirnoff. That's not my intention. (laughs) In small amounts. I don't disagree with you. Right. If that's what it is. So that what you're describing, absolutely having a drink in a social situation, you know, it's appropriate use of the drug. So one of the things we can say about alcohol is it's good socially. (laughs) (laughs) so having a drink and enjoying it like you describe there's nothing wrong with that and when we when we think about harm if you have a small amount of alcohol health-wise you're probably going to be okay so having a small amount of alcohol i don't have a problem with anybody choosing to do that Mm. it's being honest with yourself about how much you're drinking and the impact of your drinking yeah again one of the sort of revelatory things you said to me yes,
1: it's all right that the first drink's nice and actually the second drink's really nice and maybe the third drink's nice but actually after the third drink, does it get much better? Uh, Especially if you're not in a party situation or whatever where that's the... If you're sitting at home watching telly, which was a big thing for me and Pete, right? Mm. Put the Netflix on, open a bottle of wine... You know, maybe open another bottle of wine, maybe if he has another drink, he will let me watch the third series of Love Is Blind instead of making me watch a documentary about the Nazis again. Do you know what I mean? It was like that. So, um and and that and I started to think, yeah, nothing sometimes you don't need a fourth one, do you? It doesn't get better.
0: Well, I would argue that you don't need the third. Really? I mean, one or two drank slowly. I mean, it's thinking about yeah. that appropriate use of the drug, isn't it? There's a few things going on here. Appropriate use of the drug. How does it add value to the situation? Personal impact. You know, what is the impact of you overindulging? Right. And then, you know, not just the personal impact, but then thinking about the bigger picture impact. So yeah. if you are, like you've just said, if you are drinking, you know, say somebody's drinking a couple of bottles of wine. Few times a week, maybe, then they are putting themselves at risk around cancer and liver and heart disease and stuff like that. Whereas if you significantly reduce that to a couple of times a week, maybe a couple of glasses, that's a massive, massive difference in terms of impact
1: on your health. But I know that a lot of, and and that's something I've been practicing and it's a habit Mm -hmm. I'm trying to build. And sometimes, we, we we do stop yep. at two or three glasses and sometimes we don't. Yeah. Um but when I talk to people about this sort of thing, a lot of people I know go, I can't do that. I can't stop at mm-hmm. one or yep. two. Yep. And I, I definitely depending on the situation again I do sometimes find it hard to stop at one or two so yep. what advice do you have for those of us who are like that sounds great I agree with everything you're saying intellectually in the moment when I've had two or three drinks yep. I find it hard to stop there.
0: The very nature of alcohol doesn't help us with this anyway because of the dopamine release it relaxes us it's a disinhibitor so usually by the second glass you know you're like well, hey here we go you know you're not thinking straight you know one of the tools that I talk about is think it through tit. Some, tit yes Let's tit (laughs) so you know press pause think it through so it's just being aware that okay maybe I'll have one drink where you you have a soft drink first you drink that one drink slowly but then have a soft drink and then you drink the next drink slowly because then what you're doing is you're spacing out the alcohol and you're slowing it down whereas if you drink two drinks quickly which is what most people do let's be honest then they're getting inebriated quicker and then it's harder to mm. you know make those good choices that are going to help yeah
1: I I have struggled with having a soft drink first because when I get yeah. in a pub I just want a beer Stephanie don't come at me with your lemonade <laughs> what bloody lager um, but what I have found is having like water with alcohol is all right i've i've learned from you to to savor it a bit more and go actually mm-hmm. the, the first drink is so nice yes why don't we properly enjoy that and, and not confuse yeah <laughs> because i've been titting about it more mm-hmm. um not confuse being thirsty or sometimes hungry actually with yes. really enjoying the alcohol yep. So going, am I down in this pint because I'm actually dehydrated yep. or because I'm really enjoying it? So I yep. found that really helpful. Yep. Um, another thing, let's just blow more smoke up your ass, Stephanie, while we're here. <laughs> another thing that you got me thinking about, um, which I found really useful, is um, what I like to call, don't worry if you fucked it. So yep. basically, so when we're, we've been working together, we, you, you would have me draw a diary for the week, which, as someone who likes a planner, I found really good. Mm-hmm. So, right Monday, you're not going anywhere. You know, you don't need to open a bottle of wine with dinner. You could have that as as an alcohol free day. Mm-hmm. But Tuesday, you've got this, this, and this, and then I would have days where I'd I would I would have it down in the diary as an alcohol free day. But then I'd end up having a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. But then going, oh, Stephanie's going to be cross with me. <laughs> I shan't have two, three, four, five, six. Whereas in olden times and against it occasionally, um, I would go, oh, well, I fucked it anyway. I fucked it. Yeah. So today was going to be an alcohol-free day, and now it's not. So I've, I've fucked it anyway. I might as well have seven drinks. Mm-hmm. Because what difference does it make? You know, mm-hmm. I can't tick it off. So mm-hmm. I've lost the smuggery, so mm-hmm. fuck it. And then, then you were like,
0: no, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, so th- that's another big part of something that's happening now with the alcohol-free space being so prominent. And it's not a criticism. I think it's amazing and it's great. But the other thing that's happening is when people are reducing or being alcohol-free or taking a break or whatever they're doing, whatever works for them, then they do have a drink or they don't stick to the plan. They're giving themselves a hard time. It's like a, it's like a hangover from... We have these weird things in sort of the world that I work in that I think are a hangover from 12 step and i'm not criticizing 12 step but it has a very strict specific specific methodology and it's a it's an abstinent based model that you know you you count your days mm-hmm. so if you have a drink then you have to go back to day one well that's great if that works for you but actually that doesn't work for a lot of people and the reality is oh lot... listen i lost my duolingo street the other day and it had a breakdown <laughs> yeah, there you go. oh that's classic not for example. me mate that's not for me classic example so you know the last thing, and I see this a lot, I see this more with women is they give themselves a hard time. you know that whole thing about, oh my God, I had a drink the other night and I feel guilty, and I'm like, why do you feel guilty about having a drink?
1: Yeah,
0: like what why are you giving yourself a hard time about it? No one died, nobody got arrested. You know, if you had a drink brilliant, that is something to be celebrated. A drink is not the end of the world. There is nothing wrong with that. yeah, so it's focusing on the impact of your drinking and the amounts, obviously. You know, whereas if somebody said to me, oh, I haven't had a drink for a month and then I drank two bottles of wine in one go, I'd be like, okay. I definitely wouldn't want them to give themselves a hard time, but it's that's a lot of alcohol in one go. Oh, I've definitely done that again yeah. as well on occasion, here, <laughs> I can't, I can't lie to you. I can't <laughs> yeah. lie. But it's, I mean, that's in t- for, for a woman in terms of the binge, you know, I mean, think about the body processing one unit of alcohol per hour, we, I don't really want you doing that no. often.
1: That's yeah. the bottom
0: line. But the reality is no one died. Nobody got arrested. Okay, you feel a bit crap. It's more about what can I learn from that?
1: Oh, yeah, good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> have, would you say that you've significantly reduced? I have
1: significantly reduced, but it's, but then it's like a sort of relative thing, isn't it? i reduced from drinking quite a lot yep. to drinking a bit much. I haven't gone from drinking quite a lot to hardly anything at all okay. and sometimes i do feel guilty about that
0: okay what's the impact of your current drinking um
1: right all right let's tell the truth mm-hmm. uh it doesn't impact i don't think it impacts my work or my fitness because mm-hmm. again something i've learned through the work we've done is if i have a really important task that i care about um or a really early gym session um i find it really easy not to have booze the night before i'm just showing off now but i like to be at the david lloyd at 6 30 with a man in lycra shouting at me to lift a heavier weight that makes Brilliant. me feel very good about myself i like that right so we've got that sort of sorted yeah but um at weekends friday saturday sunday it's it's harder and okay. there's a bit of my brain still that is like hey you've done so well this week great stuff you're definitely not an alcoholic let's have eight pints yeah uh and you're nodding at me
0: but i know internally you're crying oh, <laughs> i'm definitely not because that again is super common you know when i work with people to reduce the monday to friday thing is the easiest bit it's the quick results because they do all those things like you're talking about they they get their head in the game around actually i don't want to be hungover when i go to work i've got this meeting or i've got to do this or actually yeah. i don't want to be hungover when i take the kids to school or you know, I don't want to be hungover when I go to the gym. So all these things work. They, they create a schedule and a plan around that that works so they can do it. And it's brilliant. They feel better for it. But then the weekend comes and they drink sometimes or drink more than they would like to. So it's how then you tackle the weekend next. Do you want to tackle the weekend? Uh, I do. I do. And I don't, to
1: be honest. So yeah. I have a partner. We can say so Friday night and um, I do Twitch, I stream video games yeah. on the Internet and I drink vodka and Coke while I'm doing it. And I really like it, Stephanie. I really have a great time. And there's little drinking games, like when I die or set myself on fire or read a boring letter in the game, <laughs> we have a drink. And I do make it very clear on social media and in the stream that you, you can join in the drinking game without drinking alcohol. Like yeah. I always ask people what they're drinking, and some people say tea or milk or Nesquik, I don't know. And, and there's I'm very clear that I'm not encouraging people to drink. Yeah. But I am an adult and I like it. And there have been occasions where that goes too far. Once I decided I really had to complete Sniper Elite 5. And I ended up, I just had to kill the boss Nazi. I wasn't going to sleep. And I ended up, there was only about 12 people watching. And I think we went on till four. Now, listen, I killed that Nazi and won the war, but I was incredibly drunk by that Mm -hmm. point. And the next day, I was really, I was a shit mum is the truth of it. Mm-hmm. I was tired and I was hungover and I didn't want to play fucking Lego Star Wars. And uh, I think we put a film on and I passed out asleep mm-hmm. on the sofa. And uh, that, again, that, that sort of thing happens less than it used to, but I can't say it, it never happens. And I'm not proud of that.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's about being realistic, isn't it? So mm-hmm. you've reduced, you can have alcohol-free days, you have alcohol-free days during the week. But sometimes you drink more than you would like in certain situations. Yeah. But that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So then really, you know, having the odd day where you're on the couch, you know, maybe not great mum skills. Well, you know this, that's not the end of the world. We're not perfect mums all of the time. I'm not advocating even any drunk of the whilst time. parenting yeah. either. But Ellie has a husband who will be looking after her children. And I'm sure you're still able to parent whilst hungover. Yeah, the point is, if that doesn't happen very often... okay. The risk there is around binge drinking and health, isn't it? Okay. The yeah. risk there is how many units are you consuming in the space of time? So if the body Ooh. processes one unit per hour and you're consuming yeah. twenty units in five hours, then yeah. that's not great. I'm what I'm working on now is Sundays because
1: I love to cook a roast, I love a roast on yep. the lunch and I love to drink wine and then yep. I love to have so and I have been historically Drinking wine and then letting that go on all afternoon again—not not chugging it, right? Not drinking games, not binging it, not vodka, but yeah. sipping a bottle of wine for a whole afternoon, and then it's dinner time. So opening another one and having that with dinner, mm. and then feeling like shit on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I've learned—you'll never believe this—I've learned that if you stop drinking after you've had lunch, and maybe have a little nap, and then don't start drinking again when you wake up. You fucking feel better on Monday morning. You can have that, Stephanie. Uh, yeah, Put that tip. in your stop sessions. Stop drinking and go to sleep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my point is, I think before you and I started working together, I was like, right, either she's going to tell me I'm an alcoholic and I'm just going to have to stop drinking and that's going to be awful, or she's going to wave some sort of magic wand in my brain and then I'm, I'm just going to become a brilliant moderator Mm -hmm. and i think i understand a year in i think i understand a bit more Mm -hmm. that actually it's a gradual process and maybe you can work on a little bit at a time yes and even if you're me and you like to put things in little boxes and patterns which i know is how my brain works
0: narrow it down to days right this week i'm going to deal with sunday yes absolutely 100 percent. that's exactly how it works you peel back the onion and it's really important that you focus on the progress the progress is that you drink a lot less than you used to you have alcohol-free days Mm. you know you're a lot more aware of your drinking and the impact of that so the next bit is like okay the weekend i'm drinking a little bit more than i would like okay which bit's my low hanging fruit so it sounds like sunday sounds like it might be a winner for you so yeah work on sundays and then just keep chipping away at that
1: Back to kind of for someone who's maybe just starting on this, I'm going to use the word. You know, I hate it. It's definitely yep. journey. <laughs> sorry, everyone. Sorry. Um, for someone who's at the start of this journey, uh, where where do people start? If you're like, right, I think I've got a drinking problem. Yeah, don't think it's so severe that I need to give up. I don't have yep. a, I don't have the kind of physical stuff where I need to go and see my GP, which we should say you should always do if you're yep, in addiction. Yeah, um, where's a good place to start?
0: I would say the first thing to think about is what's the impact of your drinking to you? Well, and obviously to educate yourself because there's the personal impact and then there's the general impact. You know, like if you read Drink by Professor David Nutt, you know, that will give you all the information you need about alcohol to be able to make an informed choice. When you read that book, then you'll be aware of the potential physical health and emotional health impacts of the amounts that you're drinking. So, being honest with yourself about your drinking the impact of your drinking educating yourself being aware of your units i know that's really boring but you know 14 units a week are the government recommended guidelines which is a bottle and a half of wine that's not a lot of wine mate well the, the key point is is alcohol is a drug right and i would like people to see it as a drug and as a luxury item and that actually like you say i've heard you say to me many a times i like a drink great Mm. have a drink Mm. you know like you like a drink there's nothing wrong with that have your glass of red wine sip it slowly enjoy it like you said if why am i you know chucking this down my neck if i really enjoy it you Mm. know i do that with chocolate i love chocolate and i'm like why am i pushing it in my face so fast yeah (laughs) when i like it you really got me on the impact
1: thing because yeah i was like the health stuff i know that intellectually obviously um but i was still like like work was just not a problem where you got me stephanie where you got me was with the kids. Yes. You used my own kids against me, Stephanie. It's all gone EastEnders. Yeah. But you were like, you know, how is it impacting your relationship with your kids? And then yeah. seeing you drinking and you being hungover mum. And I was like, oh, and sometimes if I'm in trouble and I feel myself slipping, that is the thing I pull out of the bag about Mm. like, think of the kids. What about the kids?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So this is a like in one-to-one work. I mean, you can do it in a group and I do sometimes, but it it really works in one-to-one work. So we work on people's values, what's important to them. So Mm. your values are like your guiding principles. And I pretty much do it with everybody I'm working one-to-one with. It's just, you know, what's important to you and you bring it into awareness. People are able to sort of connect with it. And it just sort of brings home as, as to what's important to them and how they want to live their life then if you're drinking a bit too much stuff like this it can bring you back sort of on track it can remind you what's important what you're doing and when you do that that feels more fulfilling for instance your kids are really important to you Yep, parenting is important to you obviously so when you drink less and that improves your parenting I bet that feels really good
1: yes it does it does yeah. absolutely Um, and I think that's, that's why that worked for me and yeah, I'd not done values work before, but so it was good to have someone make make me do that. Yeah. And I really liked as well that um, you can see through me and, and, you know, we were listing our our values and I was saying, you know, yes, family, that's an easy one, that's a good one, and friends and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm a, I'm a good person, all of that shit. And then I was like, um, like the environment and society and that, and you were like, do you really care about that? And I was like, No, I do, I do, and I, I do. Like, I am a good person. Yeah. I really wish science society was more equitable. I know that the planet's on fire. I try and be a good person and do all those things. And I'm, I'm very left wing. I'm really engaged, sort of mentally, all that. But if I'm honest, I don't do any activism. And I love that you sort of called me out on that. And we're like, That's all right. It's okay as a human to have values you think
0: you should have... and then values actually affect how you live your life, right? Yeah, yeah, they're your values, not values that you think you should have. So yeah, we have this thing doing values work... where people tend to think about what, what we should be doing... but actually when you sort of peel back the onion a little bit... it's like, no, what really is important to you... and what does that look like and how can you live that? And when you're living... you can't live all your values all the time, it's not possible... But when you align with some of them, then life just feels easier and more fulfilling. Mm. And quite often what happens is alcohol doesn't fit with your values. So most parents will have parenting or children or family as part of their values. Well, drugs don't figure in that. Mm. (laughs) You know, children don't need parents to take drugs they need parents to be available and and you also identified one of the values that i didn't which was pleasure you, like, you are you're a massive pleasure seeker you love it it's in your language all the time you cannot not communicate your values you literally you talk about it all the time. i like a drink i like this i like fun i like pleasure pleasure pleasure, pleasure. i love it it's brilliant you make that's... me sound like a roman like no. i should be at some
1: orgy just having grapes put in every orifice but there's nothing wrong which with sounds great grapes. by the way yeah <laughs> I hadn't really thought about that or, or thought that that was an OK thing to say, that I really like pleasing myself. I didn't realise that values can be not just sort of good, worthy things like family or activism, but can be like just having a nice time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So pleasure is important to you. And that's where the alcohol connection was, wasn't it? You had it really tied into pleasure. Yeah. So it was separating that. It's like, OK, there's nothing wrong with having a drink and enjoying it. But that's a very small part of your pleasure. Yes. And to open up your perspective around that. How long did you do alcohol free? Was it 30 days? Yeah,
1: a few. T- obviously, you know, when I was pregnant, obviously, mm. I did it for quite a while. But um, yep. yeah, my last full, I did a month before I ran the London Marathon, which I don't like to talk about. Um, no, no one who does running knows to talk about it. Uh, yeah, I did a month, a full month. And that was no cheating. That was the full, but not I'm just showing off now. Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah. But I did, do, I did run that marathon, vomit for the last six miles, have some leucoside and then have a pint. So, I mean, what does that tell us? But did you feel
0: really good doing your alcohol-free time?
1: Yes, I felt that I had a lot more time. I got a lot yeah. more into reading because yeah. I wasn't on the sofa watching Love is Blind. I was actually going, well, I'm in bed anyway. I might as well read a book. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I was surprised by how much more time and energy yeah. I had. And yet, here I am. And if I'm honest, at no point during that 30 days, I thought I had lots of moments where I thought, this is great. I feel great. At no point did I think, and and this is so great that this is going to carry on.
0: Is that because there's something wrong with me? <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with you. It, it comes back to this thing where everybody's different, doesn't it? What works for you mm-hmm. may not work for me or other people that like, I don't think about whether I will or won't drink again. I just don't drink today. Well, when I first stopped, I stopped because I had to, because my life was, you know, I was a mess and my behaviour was, you know, risky um, to myself and to others. That wasn't okay. And then it became about sorting my life out. And if you've got stuff to sort out, there's no place for alcohol because alcohol impacts on your thoughts and your feelings, your brain chemistry. You need, if you've got stuff going on, I highly recommend you go alcohol free, whether you've got a problem or not. Mm. And I had so much going on with the kids and an ex-husband and things. It was really difficult for years that I had to have my wits about me. Mm. And the more I did that, the better I felt. And then the clarity just that became a buzz in itself. I was like, wow yeah check my brain out yeah <laughs> i can think. yeah i was surprised by how much clarity yeah. i had and how much less
1: foggy i thought and yeah and then i realized that foggy had become my default yes and that's quite scary isn't it
0: people get used to how they feel when they're drinking regardless of the amount they're drinking so then to have that 30 days or whatever and be like oh wow what's this mm. it's good to have the difference so that you can make a choice and and
1: And it's okay to do that thirty days without going and with a view to this will be
0: forever absolutely okay. we wherever the world is ever I don't know if you've noticed, but the world is ever changing you're ever changing, yeah, we can't make I'm a never say never person I want to get to a bit that I've probably left till the end because it's quite difficult to
1: talk about for me, stephanie, and that's um why we drink specifically with relation to trauma because Mm -hmm. when we started talking you were basically like what's gone wrong in your life I mean you phrased it in a much more sensitive way (laughs) yes
0: (laughs) I don't think I'd ever say that to anyone (laughs) and and I've been
1: very privileged and lucky and and I haven't I had a lovely childhood and all of that and like a lot of people don't and I've I've got a nice partner like a lot of people don't and and all that stuff um but then I do you know the most the worst things have happened to me Um, was my son, Joe, who's now eight and who's fine. He was born nine nine weeks early. Mm -hmm. And that was extremely difficult. And I can track back and go, actually, there's this lockdown thing, right? But actually, the the drinking happened. It sort of started to cope with him being in hospital. And then even when he came out of hospital, the car crash that I say people have been in after you've had a premature baby, even if the baby's well, Mm -hmm. you're dealing with a lot of shit. And then you were like well, have you ever had any therapy about that? And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't need any therapy. It's fine. Um, and you went, yeah, fine. And now I'm a year in, I'm thinking, I've started to talk to some other people about it and I'm thinking maybe I do. Mm. Because also I had, a, I always have a meltdown around his yeah. birthday. I had quite a big one this year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, clearly I'm not drinking enough to numb this pain anymore. Shit. Do, how much do we need to, when we're looking at why we're drinking, how yeah. much do we need to, Dig into trauma and go there because that's that 's probably the most frightening frightening
0: thing for me anyway mm. yeah, I th- well digging into stuff full stop I think is difficult for a lot of people, so when I do a free consultation there 's lots of questions I ask people as you know, and one of them is, have you had anything you know really difficult happen in your life that 's you know impacting on you now you don 't have to tell me the details, but what i 'm looking for is you know traumatic events and that's again very subjective what's traumatic to you or me may be completely different and it's about the impact of that trauma and the impact of trauma shows up in lots of different ways you know confusion procrastination fear anxiety illness you know aches and pains is ptsd flashbacks paranoia there's there's endless ways where trauma shows up and people may not identify why you know what's going on there one of the things I always recommend around trauma is that they go and do EMDR. Which is the blinky thing, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know a huge amount about it, but it's not a talking therapy. Yeah. So... um I'm supported by an amazing psychologist, Dr. Helen Belfield. She's phenomenal and she's really good around anxiety and trauma. And she's super clear that the best modality is EMDR. So anybody can Google that if they're struggling with trauma, they can put in EMDR UK and the website will come up and they'll be able to find out more about it and their local therapists you know so for some people they feel anxious a lot of the time as a result of a traumatic event so it sort of presents itself in lots of ways people might drink as a result of that alcohol works very well for anxiety only in the short term not in the long term it makes it worse it exacerbates it the good thing about emdr is it doesn't matter if you're drinking a good emdr therapist will still work with you um so, yeah, maybe through your doctor, NHS or other charities, but otherwise, you know, get a private therapist. Um, it can be amazing and life changing. There's lots of reasons why people drink, you know, life yes. events, habit. And and I what I learned is stuff. you can
1: have multiple reasons because yeah. I was like, why am I drinking? Nothing really terrible is having to me apart from that one thing and even that's not a major thing like what some people go through yeah uh, we... it's
0: quite major ellie you're negating Well, yes but it, it was nearly it was like eight years ago so it doesn't matter that's a really big thing yeah don't no because now i'm gonna go i said i wouldn't cry i still cry um you're you're negating what a big thing that was for you when actually it is a really big thing because i've heard you talk about it and then you brush it away yeah, but now making me talk about it on oh, the internet. i no, joking. don't have to talk about it. Oh, I've talked about it, oh, talked about we'll it on the
1: internet before and cried. Yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? The fact, that I can't even talk about it, but I've been a little
0: crying. It was quite upsetting. Bloody hell, I've got a grandson that was a preemie. Jesus Christ, I can't imagine what that must be like as a parent. Oh, I that's... mean, it's not ideal. Um, <laughs> no, I wouldn't choose it. Well, right, good. Um, anyway, if you wouldn't mind, give me the number of the EMDR, <laughs> EMDR the therapist. EMDR yeah. therapist might get on. Uh, might get onto but that. What's, actually, what's really interesting about about that is, and it isn't the case for everyone, but some. So sometimes people come to me and reduce their drinking, then they'll tell me about something a year later, and I'll be like, "Oh, okay," and we'll right. I'll recommend an intervention. You know that they. Can yeah, because I did tell you
1: about it, but I didn't. Think, I said to you, "It's not a problem."
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it is. Yeah. <laughs> you did say you it you did start did I to I, yeah. yeah, say it is, definitely. But oh look, I'm, producer Laura's given me a yeah. tissue. That's why she's the best producer in the world. There she we is. are. But some people will come back to me and say you know, that thing we talked about, I went and did the work on that. And oh my God, it was amazing. And now I don't even think about alcohol. It's not that they're alcohol free or they're even thinking about moderating. It just isn't a problem because they dealt with whatever the issue was that came up through the process. Now that's not the case
1: for everyone, but. And yeah, it's not my only reason. I know a big reason for me is, is coping and is like, is numbing. So not pain, but like um, you know, I find it hard to relax sometimes if the house is really cluttered and if I've got loads of stuff on my to-do list. Yeah. And I know that if I drink, it stops the voice in my head going,
0: you didn't send that email and
1: you've got to put a wash on and you haven't put the dish, you haven't emptied the dishwasher. And if I drink, that voice is silenced. And that is something I'm definitely still struggling with.
0: Like, yeah, how do you shut up that, you haven't done this voice. One of the common themes that I get is how do I stop the voice or the emotions? It's usually voice or emotions, feelings, you know, the feelings are so intense. People don't know what to do with them, but the other one is the loud internal voice. So the best book I've ever read on this stuff is called, I may be wrong. It is a fantastic book and he explains it in a really great way, but essentially, I mean, there's so many different ways to explain about the voice. So essentially you are not your voice. You know, it's, It's just a a random, like a radio playing in the background. So it's how we learn to ignore, turn the sound down and distract from the voice, essentially. And there's so many different ways to do that. So there must be, there'll be things that you do that put you in the zone and clear your head drinking yeah
1: (laughs) apart from drinking apart from drinking yes Uh, yeah probably exercise and and doing things you know
0: yeah so then part of that is about learning to let go as well isn't it it's not just letting go of the voice it's letting go of well how important is that it's not that important I don't need to there's so many different ways that you can work with that
1: now I've stopped crying so that's good news (laughs) Oh, well, thank you, Stephanie. Oh, you've shared so much. I'm educated and informed. And over the course of the podcast, we're going to be talking to all sorts of experts, academics, and you know, just, well, people who know shit about shit, basically. And we're going to be getting loads of info, and I'm going to ask all of them for a nugget of wisdom, so a little piece of information or advice that they want us, the listener, to take away. Um, Now, I'm not going to ask you for a nugget today, Stephanie, but I would like to talk about your rules, because this is something that's really helped me, is working out what sort of rules, personal rules you have around alcohol and which ones work for you in helping
0: you cut down on your drinking, Give us some rules, Stephanie. And the key with the with the rules, so there's a few um, caveats to this. So first of all, uh, use rules if it works for you. So if you're the sort of person that likes right. to plan or set <clears throat> rules, then great, do it. If you're the sort of person that's going to give yourself a hard time about setting rules, then maybe that isn't the road for you to go down. Okay, yeah. Because it just doesn't work for some people. Um, but there are lots of different ones and the idea is just to do them and see what works because nobody actually knows what's going to work until you do it. So... Um, Appropriate use of the drug. Think about what appropriate use of the drug is for you. Get really clear on what that looks like and how does it add value to any situation. So if you're out for the night and you're thinking, oh, I might have a drink tonight. Ask yourself, "Okay, well, if I have a drink, how does this add value? no home drinking can be a good one. Oh, stephanie <laughs> i love you but piss off no, come on it's a weird no, nice honestly, bottle of wine with no, a sunday roast in no, front of the telly this one's even better no home alone drinking now that is like i i love people yeah. to start with that one so when i'm working with people with reducing it's not just about the tips we use around reducing it's about like you people will be listening oh god that's never gonna work but actually you know, I've been doing this for 16 years. I'll tell you some of them does work. It's like going in the back door, you know, doing these little things. Yeah, my friend Helen does that. <laughs> yes. she, no, she does. No, no, God, not that. I mean, she, that's a whole other, again, that's a
1: conversation for an entirely different podcast, one called Scummy Mummies. We've had that conversation on there. But um, no, Helen Helen has introduced the rule of note. She doesn't drink at home when yes. she's on her own. Yeah, yeah And brilliant. that works really well for her. Yeah, Um Me, my husband's allergic to shellfish. So sometimes when he goes out, I might cook myself a lobster from Lidl and have a glass of Sauvignon Blanc. But again, different rules for different people.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, no home alone drinking because it's a social drug. Yeah. So when we think about what alcohol is good for, it's good for socialising. So why are you taking a drug at home alone? Yeah. Um, No drinking when looking after the children. Yeah. It can be a nice, you know, a lot of people want to be, the better parents so that can be a really nice easy one to do no drinking at work or work functions obviously no driving no nope. <laughs> um no drinking the night before a big work event so you can sort of add to that with the work that's really stuff. worked for me yeah definitely. Yeah. and then thinking about certain situations with certain people where you overindulge so being really honest with yourself about well, when I go to this bar with this person, we get absolutely hammered, yeah. and I feel really ill. It's like, okay, so don't go to that bar with that person. If like, if you love that person and want to hang out with them, go to a yoga class or have a coffee or go for a walk. Or can I turn that rule on its
1: head, Stephanie, yes, please and do. see what you yes. make of it? Go on. Um, I use that rule in a different way in that I make that special time. <laughs>
0: so I, yeah. f- I feel like. Is it okay to adapt rules and hack them so they suit you? Absolutely, 100%. That's what they're there for. Yeah. You know, nobody knows what's going to work until you do them and you tweak them and you make them work for you. Um, I, what I would love you to do, though, is to drink a soft drink first and drink soft drinks in between, please. Stay hydrated. Another rule, please, Stephanie. <laughs> okay. So checking in with your feelings. So that's the other one. So, like if you know that you have historically drunk when you're stressed or anxious, or you know, there's a family thing that triggers you, then it's about doing something different. It's like playing a game with yourself. It's like, okay, this month I'm not going to drink when I'm angry. Mm. And then I'm gonna figure out how to manage my feelings around the anger, whatever that is. Because for some people They might feel things, but they don't even know what the feelings are and they don't even know why they're having the feelings. And that can take ages to figure out. So if you're drinking on those feelings, you're definitely not going to figure them out. So if you take alcohol off the table, I'm not saying permanently, I'm just saying if you choose anger or stress or anxiety, then you get to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And if I may add
1: to that. Yes, please. I, I would say I've learned to try and think ahead a bit about the longer term. I spoke to a friend of mine today. She's had some bad news and I'm really yep. upset about it. And my first thought still, to be honest, was, oh, I'll have a drink yep. later and that will make me feel a little bit better. That will take the edge off. Yep. And and you know what? That's true. That is true. It will make me feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But I've learned to go, okay, even if you're going to do that, you have to think if you have another four yep. or five or six, tomorrow, will the situation have changed? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. And will the piece of terrible news feel Kind of worse or better, and if you have seven glasses of wine, I know now it will feel worse. But I, I can't pretend to myself or to you that sometimes having a glass of wine makes me feel
0: less stressed and a bit less in pain. A glass, yeah. See, so you're saying amazing things, and and it's as long as you take those actions. Like you keep saying, I like having a glass. There's no problem with having a glass if mm. I feel this way. Absolutely not. Or two or three, more. but I know if it's, I do know if
1: it's more than that. I've learned to remember. That I I will feel shitter about whatever it is. So So you're titting. I'm I'm titting all day. I'm tits out. Tits out, mate. What an amazing set of rules, Stephanie. Again, and I like that we're saying you can sort of pick and choose, right? You don't have to do all of them and you don't have to do all of them all the time. So yes, thank you so much, Stephanie. I can't tell you. I've learned so much from you and I'm so pleased that you've agreed to do this podcast with me because basically it's just an excuse to talk to you some more <laughs> and also some interesting people yeah. so I think it, it I think it's hopefully going to be a really interesting huh, journey oh god <laughs> I've said it I've said it again oh I'm on a bloody journey yeah oh, oh god so
0: yes Stephanie where can people hear more about you so Stephanie Chivers if you google my name you will probably find me or maybe an American rower Whichever one comes up first. Yeah. Um, um, My email and my telephone number is on there, but I'm on Facebook and Instagram. You can message me, direct message me, text me, email me. I really don't mind how you contact me.
1: In the next episode, we'll be talking to David Nutt. He's a professor, a wine bar owner and the author of the excellent book, Drink? We'll discuss the science of alcohol, the effects it can have on our health and whether there are any benefits to drinking. Will a glass of red a day really keep the GP away? God, I hope so. Cheers! Follow us on social media. We're at Sysopodcast on Instagram, that's S-Y-S-O, podcast, or just at Sysopod on Twitter and Facebook. Sort Your Shit Out was devised and presented by me, Ellie Gibson, with Stephanie Chivers. The music is by John Thorne and it was produced by Laura Grimshaw. Thank you to Remedy Kombucha for sponsoring the podcast. For more information, go to remedydrinks.com.